It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome back to Ball Talk, baby. Today is Monday, December 28th, 8.12 p.m. on a Monday night in the middle of winter. As always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, what it do, baby? You know who it is. We're here after the first week of the regular season to overreact a little bit and talk about stuff we like and dislike that we've seen in the regular season so far. And uh, I mean, I'm just going to get started. I, I just want to start by complaining about Rookie of the Year or just the entire rookie class, whatever you want to – how the NBA is treating that, whatever you want to take it. Are you, you cool we start, off, we start off with that? Yeah. We've got a lot to say about the rookies. That's the only thing to really watch in the first three games of the NBA season is how the honestly, young guys are fitting in. Honestly, honestly. Like, especially with the way these teams are playing. Half the teams are sitting, half their guys. Everyone's had a back-to-back and sat their stars. Like, as we're talking right now, the, the Brooklyn Nets are without three of their four best players, one by injury, two because they just decided to sit out on a back-to-back. It's, it's a mess. It's, it's a mess. So let's talk about the rookies because that's fun. Or mm-hmm. it's supposed to be, but this time it's not. This rookie of the year sort of really, really stinks. I was really hoping someone like Killian Hayes, LaMelo Ball, or Cole Anthony, or even a guy like Anthony Edwards, Isaac Okoro, or James Wiseman would be getting the opportunity to put up good stats and win games. So far, James Wiseman is the rookie of the year favorite, and his team has been blown out of two of their three games and had a buzzer beater against a team that they really should have handled by 20 if they were going to be a good team. Killian Hayes and LaMelo Ball cannot find their way onto the court for more than, like, 15 minutes a game. Cole Anthony is actually filling the stat sheet off the bench, but he's not playing. I think he's, he's, he's getting the same kind of minute restriction that Ball and Hayes are getting. Okoro and Denny, Avdi, are barely allowed to shoot, and Anthony Edwards is also on the bench. And guess what? He's pretty forgettable. He has some cool plays every now and then. And then you look at the stats, you're like, oh, he had 18 points, and he took 21 shots to get it. It's crazy. Yeah, they're letting that boy go. I mean, that's that right. His usage, I think, is the highest of any rookie so far this year. He's outscoring D'Angelo Russell on the season. Yeah, it's, I mean, D'Angelo Russell just had four points against the Lakers, so it's not going to help his scoring numbers. But Not at all. Yeah, these rookies, it's been an interesting, interesting really start to the season for a lot of them because I really thought we were going to see a lot more of these guys play, and maybe they will hopefully throughout the season as teams start to realize their kind of role in the league. I think a lot of these teams are – you look at the standings right now, it's like the Cavs and the Orlando Magic are one and two in the <laughs> Eastern Conference. Like, they need to realize as much as I love the sex line backcourt and the Cavs look at – Thank you not, for – really quick, thank you for being the first one to say sex land on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I had to, you know, say get us started one time so everyone says it's okay. But, like, the Cavs, the Orlando Magic, they're not going to be up there at the end of the day. So – getting your young guys out there is going to be the key to having them be successful, not only in their rookie years and have a chance at this award, which a lot of them really want. Every, every rookie coming into the league thinks they have a shot and wants a shot at rookie of the year. That's the mentality you have to have if you're going to make it to the NBA. So I think you got to let these guys go out there and play, man. Mm-hmm. 
And, and like, look, I believe that a player has to earn his starting spot and earn his minutes, but it also has to be a relativity thing. As long as these rookies are showing up, they're locked in, they're doing their best, they're working their hardest, they need minutes. Okay? Like, the Pistons had, had a double OT game where none of their young guys played more than 19 minutes. LaMelo Ball's barely playing behind Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. He didn't score his first game. He got five shots as the number three overall pick. Um, none of the other rookies, like none of the Charlotte rookies are, none of the other Charlotte rookies are playing at all. And you need your star rookie to be playing. He needs yeah. to play through his mistakes. You can't have him worried about taking a bad shot and getting pulled. He needs to learn. He's not going to learn if he learns, if I shoot this three, I'm going to get pulled. Especially for a guy like LaMelo Ball, who you want shooting crazy threes. Mm-hmm. Your hope is that LaMelo Ball turns into either Stephen Curry or Shrey Young. Like one of those type of, type of shooters, drawing fouls, hitting deep threes, taking crazy shots. You need him taking those shots now. He needs to build that equity now. Yep. Yes, they still have to learn. But you can't have them on this tiny leash where they can't make mistakes or they get benched. They need to know that no matter what, they're playing 25 minutes a game minimum. I don't, yeah, I, I don't understand why you have these vets playing 40 minutes, 40 minutes a game sometimes, 30 minutes a game, all the minutes. Because who cares? Who cares about winning one game when you're going to win 25 by the end of this short season? And all the guys that are winning these games won't be on the team when your star rookies are finally blossoming into real players. Derrick Rose will not be on the Pistons when Killian Hayes makes an all-star team. If Killian Hayes makes an all-star team. And you know what? Having him come off the bench or having him play very few minutes because of Derrick Rose is limiting his ability to eventually be an all-star player. Yes, he's getting the good mentorship. That's important. But he's getting 19 minutes a game. He needs to learn how to play. He was going to be a high-usage guy, and now he's not getting the shot to play. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an important point you make because I, I wanted to bring it up is that the only rookie over 30 minutes a game right now is Isaac Okoro, and he's 16th of all rookies in field goal attempts, mm-hmm. averaging 10 more minutes than the second-highest-played rookie because – the Cleveland Cavaliers, as much as he's a defensive wing guy, and that's what he came into the league known for his ability to defend and play, and he's playing good individual, good team defense, but you have to give him a shot to at least get some shots up, get some threes up, some layups in transition, something that he's creating a shot for himself so he doesn't confine himself to a role of just a defender. And he's also already missing a game with a foot injury in his third game of the NBA season, you know? For, and for he me. looked really good in the preseason scoring the ball. He had a game winner. He had a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Him and Denny Avdia both are getting – they're into the same camp for me. They're both getting a lot of minutes, but they're not allowed to shoot the ball, and they're both good shooters. They're both doing a good job scoring and playing offense, but they're there and they're doing their defense. They're helping the team, but they, they need to be shooting more. And for Isaac Okoro, like, ex- excuse me, you're playing Larry Nance Jr., and Kevin Love, you're letting those guys get the shots? Like what, what is Kevin Love doing for you? What, what is he doing for you? I don't get it. Paycheck to the arena workers. I don't uh, – good, good when you're getting paid that much. 
when you ain't paid that much and you bring so little to the table now that you're an old man, I, I'd hope that you'd feel that you'd donate, that you'd be donating your game checks. I'd hope that you'd be looking out for all the people that are hurt. I'd hope that you are giving back. Yeah, because for me right now, we talked about Rookie of the Year, and I'd obviously said that I had guys like Obi Toppin and James Wiseman as likely that as my guys that I thought would win it. And is is that, Obi Toppin even playing? I'm sorry to stop you. Is he even playing? <laughs> I've heard nothing about him. They just Obi Toppin's got the fourth highest. Sorry, go ahead. Obi Toppin's got the fourth highest usage of all rookies over 20 minutes a game right now. So. Wow. He's getting looks, but he's coming off the bench for Julius Randle. I mean, I have yet to watch a second of Knicks basketball. Well, that's not true. I actually watched him against the Pacers on opening night, and I didn't see him much. But he's, he's... I... And why are you having him behind Julius Randle? I don't get it. I don't, I, don't, I don't get so much of the stuff that these teams are doing. I just and then don't I, get it. I, I just want to shout out two, three more other rookies that I think are providing a little bit more than we expected them to. Tyrese Halliburton, second of all rookies for minutes, and he's also only had one turnover in his three games that he's played right now. He looks like he's going to be a, a confident guy with the ball in his hands, a good on the floor, and I'm excited to see what him, De'Aaron Fox, and Buddy Heel can do as kind of a mini trio. They won't be able to defend much of any size, but if they get going out against a small team like the, like the Trailblazers or against the Warriors, they'll be able to have a feast on other backcourts in the league. But Buddy Heald's actually been doing pretty good on defense so far mm-hmm. in this season. He had a really good steal on uh, from it was it was a DeAndre Eaton pass. DeAndre Eaton caught it and he was dribbling. He picked up his dribble and it was very obvious. He completely telegraphed that the pass was going to Devin Booker and Buddy Heald just got in the passing lane and took it. Like, yeah, yeah, he's not a lockdown defender, but like doing little things like that is going to improve his defensive. His defensive abilities, his availability to stay on the court as a defender. And Halliburton's a good defender. De'Aaron Fox is a good defender, good enough as the tools. Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason that can't be a good little three-man backcourt right there. For like, sure. locking down. And they have Jemias Ramsey on the bench, who they need to give minutes to. They need to give minutes to him. I'm not going to start freaking out on the Kings right now. He actually he got his first NBA bucket last night as the last bucket in the game against uh, Phoenix when he got subbed in with Robert Woodard for the last minute. So uh, shout out to my Ramsey, you know what I'm saying? That man's too nice to be coming off the bench, that, the, the deep bench. The, is, the last two rookies I got is the guy over there in San Antonio, Devin Vassell, who He's I wish nice. could get more minutes, but that guard wing rotation is just too deep and too nice right now in San Antonio. But he's providing them – he's got, like, the best defensive net rating of any rookie so far this year and, like, the third highest for all rookies above 18 minutes per game. So he's really balling out there. It's just that when you're stuck behind DeJounte, Lonnie, Keldon, DeMar, Patty Mills, there's just no minutes for you and no shots left, but – I really like what Devin Vassell's doing. And then lastly is a guy I know you want to talk about the team a little bit too, and it's Precious Achua and the Miami Heat because I think oh, yeah. Precious is filling in a lot of the what we said the Miami Heat needed to help with, and he's bringing them a lot of good minutes, and he's another hardworking guy. So it's good to see him getting the minutes and the time he needs to be able to perform because what you're seeing with a guy like that is that if you let some of these guys in this class play a lot of minutes and get their chances – on the floor, they're going to prove to you that they're quality NBA players and that they can give you quality NBA minutes. And, and with Precious Achua, I mean, honestly, if I had to pick a rookie of the year after three games or whatever, and I wasn't allowed to pick Cole Anthony, um, <laughs> I'd pick Precious Achua. I would. 
Because he's the only one that's bringing stuff to actually win his team games. As the only, he's also the only one that's getting a chance to win his team games. We put that out there. He's the only one that's playing these crunch time minutes, really. Like him, I know Denny is. I don't think Okoro is. I, I, know that, I know that he's the only one that's out there actually winning his team games. How about that? He's the only one that's brought a win through his play. He's the only one that's contributed heavily to winning of any rookie that's actually playing. It's, it's ridiculous to me that we're seeing, like, just so many rookies not get the shot already, like, this early in to contribute to winning. It's kind of crazy to me. And so I know you got some, some trade potentialities here to help oh, some yeah. rookies free them off the bench. You want to run through a couple scenarios to, to get our young guys some looks? Yes, please. The first one I want to talk about is one that should have happened in free agency. Terry Rozier to the Memphis Grizzlies for Gorgie Jang and some seconds. Look, Terry Rozier is worth more than some seconds, but it's time. But you need to save some some value because you stretched you stretched Nick Batum's contract, which was a serious mistake. This trade should have happened. Once LaMelo Ball was drafted and Gordon Hayward was signed, they should have said, okay, we can't hold on to Terry Rozier anymore. Gorgie Jang? Well, please? Please? Gorgie? Gorgie? Or anything. Just, they needed to make this trade to free up some cap space. Now they have to free up cap space now because you can't, you, you're going to be locked in with this extra seven, six million dead cap for the next, or nine million dead cap for the next th- two seasons. You got to free some cap space up early. Mm-hmm. This is doing that. This is also getting an opportunity for LaMelo Ball and Grant Riller. They have two young point guards on their roster and Malik Monk, who's not playing. You have all these guys on your roster who need to get minutes. And Terry Rozier is a baller. Terry Rozier is what Memphis needs. Memphis needs another scorer off their bench. And guess what? That's Terry Rozier. So this is kind of a mutually beneficial trade. Maybe there's a better trade out there for the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know. Because if I, was, if I was Mitch Kupchak, the first thing I would be doing is moving Terry Rozier for anything. For almost anything. If anyone was giving me any value, Terry Rozier would be gone. And, and just to take it one step further, even Tyler Zeller's out for like four to six weeks now, I'm pretty sure, too. Like, they need another center. They're starting and only big man is pretty much Bismack Biombo right now. Like They, they have Bernie Jenks. Terry Jr. on their bench. <laughs> put in Vernon. You don't need to put him for 40 minutes. He's not, he's not you know, but... You, you, you're playing Bismarck Biombo and, like, P.J. Washington at the five. Okay, I like P.J. Washington at the five. I don't like Bismarck Biombo playing in the year 2020. How about that? I love Biz. I used to love me some Biz. I don't like him playing in the year 2020. We you need to another get busy, big – you need a Gorgie Jang to show up and play some ball. Start P.J. Washington at the five. Start Or start Gorgie at the five and play most of the P.J. for the, for the minutes. And then let, let – Vernon Carey gets some minutes. Give him on, get him on the court. Yeah. And what's the point of taking these kids if you're not going to give them a try? I think it's, I think it's like wrong. And I think it's wrong that, to draft these kids and not give them a shot. Yeah, I got one to say about that right before we get back to your trade scenarios. Is that mm-hmm. obviously we all saw the Clippers get massacred the other day against the Mavericks, but mm-hmm. my boy Jay Scrub was not allowed off this bench when they were down 50 for an entire second half. And just, like, what is the point of having Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard out there anymore? Like, you lost the game. It doesn't – you just paid Luke Kennard. You're lucky James Johnson didn't step underneath him or something. Not that he's a dirty player, but he's just big and old and slow. Like, he might have just been uncoordinated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And like, James Johnson is only there to hurt guys. They got him just to hurt Clippers players, okay? If Marcus Morris didn't hit, did not hurt Luka Doncic last postseason, James Johnson would not be on the Mavericks. He is only there to karate chop Marcus Morris. And, and every other young guy on the Clippers got the, basically the entire fourth quarter, and it's great to see. I love seeing Terrence Mann, Capengeli, Daniel Latoru, who's oh, I can't remember the other guy's name anymore, and Jay Scrub. All, like, Jay Scrub just didn't get freed off this bench, and why did you draft him? Just release him into free agency. Like, what is the point of having these guys on your roster if you're just never going to play them? You're down 50, Ty. Paul yeah. George didn't need to see the quarter in the second half. Like, no one need, they didn't need to come out of the locker room. Nope. You could have called in the Agua Caliente. Like, it, it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> and the fact that Jay didn't get off the bench is just like, what, for what? Like, for why? Was he not nope. dressed? That was also a beautiful day to be a Lakers fan. 36-point win, 50-point halftime deficit for the Clippers. Oh, that was like winning by 86. It was great. It was beautiful. Right, but, but who else has got to get freed up now? All right, so we got to free up. We got to free up all those guards down in Charlotte. You got to free them all up. Grant Reeler is nice. LaMelo Ball needs to play. You got to free up that guard in Detroit. Killian Hayes needs to play in the fourth quarter. Killian Hayes, if you're going to double overtime and Derrick Rose has six turnovers, Killian Hayes needs to play. Killian Hayes needs to play. It's not that big. He's Killian Hayes. He was eighth overall. People, what, what, what his name? Kevin O'Connor was convinced he was the best player in the draft. All this stuff. That dude needs to play. So I got this. DeLon Wright and Derrick Rose. You have two guards making less, around $10 million. Very movable contracts. One is one year. One is an expiring. One is a multi-year. You have so much versatility in your trade assets right now between these two. Trade one. Unleash Killian Hayes. Look, now the Warriors need someone. The Warriors just take someone. Look at their bench, stack some contract. Here's here's Marquise Chris and like, I don't know, maybe Kavon Looney, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing down in Golden State, but they need someone. <laughs> I would maybe love Pascal. Maybe it's Marquise Chris and Pascal gets you D Rose. I don't know. Or gets you DeLon Wright. I don't know. But they do need another guard on that bench. They need someone to play guard on the bench. Or another one, we aren't, we're, not, we're gonna talk about this a little later, but the Nets lost. Spencer Dinwiddie for the season. He's making around $10 million. He's got a player option for 12-3 next year. Like, he's not, he's not going to be a part of the Nets' future, let's be honest, unless he takes, like, a, an extension, which isn't his character. It, it would be out of character for him to take this extension or whatever and stay with them. Send him to Detroit. He already played there for two years. Send him to Detroit. Take back D Rose and a first. They the, the Nets haven't lost any draft capital, which is unusual for the Nets. Usually they have no picks. Yeah. Send out your send out your first rounder this year with Spencer Dinwiddie. Take back D Rose. Take back the lawn right. One of them. Boom. You now have your strong starting five and your strong bench again. There's no more questions about oh well losing Spencer. It's gone. It's all gone. You're fine. You could start Karras now. You could bring D-Rose off the bench. Whatever you want to do, you can do it now. But you know what? You need a free Killian Hayes if you're the Pistons. You're getting any value back for any of these guys. You just need to make the move. 
Um, another one for the free Anthony Edwards. I can't believe he's on the bench. You take a guy number one overall, you start him. You start him. What? Excuse me. You take a guy number one overall, you start him. There's no discussions. There's he earned it in college. You took him number one overall. He earned it in college. He doesn't. He he doesn't need to show up to training camp, and he should start. I mean, not literally, but I'm just saying. He should walk in day one penciled in as starter. He should have to do something horrible to not be the starter as of day one. How is Anthony Edwards not starting? How? The, the, the entire Wolves team is just fundamentally flawed in my opinion. And I think it's going to be very obvious pretty soon. So here's my trade. D'Angelo Russell for Blake Griffin. You'd have to put some picks in or a prospect or whatever. But D'Angelo Russell is not that nice. I mean, there's up minutes for Anthony Edwards to start. And other than Draymond Green, there is no non-superstar power forward I would rather have next to Cat than Blake Griffin. The T-Wolves also haven't had any of their power forwards score the ball at all. Literally. Their five lowest points per game players are the team's entire crop of power forwards. Before their Lakers game. None of the power boards on their roster scored. Looking Let me like say that again. In two games, they have five power forwards on their roster. They combined for zero points in two games. An entire position. 48 minutes of basketball for two games. Zero. Blake Griffin will fix that. Blake Griffin is playing amazing this year. He will fix that. They also, they also have five shooting guards. So moving one to start Edwards, and then Malik Beasley can play around as a combo guard. And then you got Jared Culver, who can play pretty much anywhere, but he's really like a shooting guard small forward. It, it, it frees stuff up. It, it opens a lot of stuff up. It opens a lot of stuff up. And the Pistons need to open up some center minutes. They need to open some front court minutes for Isaiah Stewart. They need to open – and for Sadiq Bey, they need some front court minutes for Sadiq Bey. Now you can play Jeremy Grant at the four. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Look, I think – It's a win-win I for think, me on that one. I mean, I think there'd have to be a little bit of draft capital from the Pistons, but it's a win-win for me. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd obviously – well, not obviously, but I think they'd either have to include one of those guards in there, like D-Rose or DeLon Wright, or I don't know if they even want them. Maybe Whoever has an expiring deal, maybe they take that one, and then some draft capital as well. Because I do think D'Angelo Russell is still just as young enough that he's worth more than what Blake Griffin is bringing you now just because he is mm-hmm. on. Like, don't get me wrong. I love what Blake Griffin's done in his second half of his career – I think is going to be one of the more slept on things in the NBA until we get to Blake Griffin's retirement. And we see, Oh, this guy, our career average 38% from three. What happened to Blake Griffin? Yeah. You know, like he's really well, come about as an actual basketball player in the second half of his NBA career. Like he came into league as just big white guy who could jump, but now he, he could shoot, he could handle, he can create offense for himself. And so I, I agree that he would be a cool pairing with cat and it frees up, Someone that I've heard rumors starting at point guard could be Jarrett Culver. And you look at Jarrett Culver, Edwards, Malik Beasley, Blake Griffin, and Carl Anthony Towns is at least a more exciting starting five than what you're rolling out now. You know, like you're not going to win anytime soon anyway, but it's something that at least lets your young guys get minutes. 
and it lets Carlotti Towns play with someone who can kind of show him the ropes of what it is to be a young superstar in the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. and, and even if it if even if it's like a three team to bring back Brooklyn, say Brooklyn throws in um, Dinwiddie, Torine Prince, and some picks, they could wind up with D'Lo. Bring they could. Back. It could. It could be. You know, the Pistons will wind up without Blake Griffin, which is a win. Mm-hmm. The Memphis Grizzlies will. I mean, the um, the Minnesota Timberwolves will wind up with some draft capital. I imagine the Pistons will pick up a little bit too, and the Nets wind up with D'Angelo Russell. Seems like a win all around. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just saying, there's ways. There's ways to make it work where it doesn't wind up with D'Lo in Detroit, and where there's value going everywhere. There's ways to make it work. I just I, I I just don't get what these teams are doing having all these guys on the bench. I, I don't get it. And it's not just it's not just the teams you mentioned. It's every team. And it looks like we're gonna have another another rookie of the year award that people have compared to the Michael Carter Williams one, where it's just, well, I guess he's the best player. Like, I guess. Like no one's doing anything insane. I guess he's the best player. Like Michael Carter Williams won it. Won his rookie of the year when he had the best opening night of any player in NBA history. But like, he won it on the first day. He walked in on the first day. He said, here's my resume. And they waited a year, and then they gave him the job. And, I mean, I still am a big – I'm a big fan of Michael Carter-Williams, and he's really adapted his game from who he was then to who he is now. I think he's a way underrated player right now. Mm-hmm. But, like, really not the strongest rookie of the year. Malcolm Brogdon versus uh, was it Dario Saric that one year? Not the strongest rookie of the year. I think this will be a stronger rookie of the year than that year. I think Michael Carter Williams was a better rookie of the year than those two. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think this is going to be a strong rookie of the year. Whoever wins. Yeah, I think the only thing that can happen is hopefully a lot of these guys start getting more minutes and they get more chances to to score. Because we'll talk a little bit later, but it's important for you guys for the guys to get minutes to be able to prove that they can play or have a chance to be able to play and and speaking of guys that are finally getting minutes and proving that they're able to play we can move on to one of the other some of the other awards we want to talk about you have some new and renewed picks for most improved yeah i i just wanted to quickly double down it's been a week we've seen how teams play some of our predictions were absolutely horrible mine my brooklyn nets is six looks really bad looked really bad for me and then Dinwiddie got hurt, and now it doesn't look so bad for me. But for MIP, we forgot to say Christian Wood, I think. Yeah. I, I know I did. I can't remember if you did. I think I did as well. Oh, we forgot Christian Wood, which was just silly. But so far, MIP favorites. Just got to say, Christian Wood had one game where he looked like an unstoppable force. He was the only non-Harden guy who was really scoring. Every time Harden went to the bench, they just gave the ball to Christian Wood, and he embarrassed everybody. That was great to watch. It was insane. Those Rockets are not as bad as we thought. That's another thing. Rockets, I think they're going to do better than I imagined. Ja, Christian Wood, Markel Fultz, top three MIP favorites right now. Mm-hmm. Fultz has been balling out. Everyone can see it. Turning up in the forts. If you listen to us, you know you've been hearing about Markel. We know you've been hearing about Markel Fultz. He is balling. He is showing why he was the number one overall pick. A little late. A lot late, but he's showing why he was number one overall pick. He looks like a very good starting point guard in the league. Maybe not a top 10 point guard in the league, but he looks like a very good starter. 
And that contract, I mean, if they, if, if the, if the Orlando magic decide that they're going to just take a full rebuild, tear down rebuild, that contract is going to fetch some nice prices. If mm-hmm. he keeps playing like this, no, that might be right. like the, one of the better contracts in the league next year. If he keeps playing like this. I think Markel is really showing off now a little bit. He's bullying a lot of guys at the position. Every time he gets a switch or anytime he has someone that's not even significantly smaller than him. If you're just his regular size, his body control and how he moves his weight around when he's attacking the basket is, is second to none. It's really what we kind of saw in Washington and his ability. And he's showing that you don't even really need a jump shot to be an effective point guard in the NBA right now because he is dicing teams up and he still doesn't have a respectable three. Like I would... I would sit off Markel Fultz and go under every single screen. But if you go under a screen too deep and you get caught at all, when he starts coming at you, that shoulder is going to drive you back into the key and then he's going to finish. So I think he's definitely looking a lot better. Christian Wood, after that first Rockets game, one of my boys texted me and he said, Christian Wood is looking like a poor man's Anthony Davis out there. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know what? You're right. There's nothing I could say about that because you're right. That's what he is. That's what he looks like. That's what he's doing. And good for him because if I was, if anyone gets compared to Anthony Davis, that's good for you because Anthony Davis is like no flaws in his game. So, nope. Anytime you're getting Anthony Davis comps, that's like a top, top kind of like sign off. And then I didn't. One guy that I want to mention for most improved, I don't think he's going to win it this year. I think he could win it futurely in his career. Is, is he Chris Boucher? Who? Huh? I said Chris Boucher. Oh, okay. Well, Chris Boucher is in the, in the contention every single season. He's, until he <laughs> wins it, and then the season after he wins it, he'll still be in contention for it because Chris Boucher is that nice. But, no, it's DeAndre Hunter who actually has, like, the highest net rating in the NBA right now with oh, over wow. 24 minutes a game. And partially it's because those Atlanta Hawks are scoring a ridiculous amount of points. And, but he's providing them with like the fourth highest offensive rating and the third highest defensive rating in the NBA for anyone with those kind of minutes. And he doesn't necessarily have the touches he needs to get rookie or MIP. And I don't think it should go to a sophomore player unless it's going to be John Morant because he is that nice this year. But I think DeAndre Hunter is someone you could see win it next season or the year after where he could go from something like – 14 to 16 points per game up to like 22, 24. And it's like, okay, this kid is here and he's arrived and he is legit. I don't even know if he'll ever become that good a scorer, but it's more just going to be as his defense becomes a lot more obvious Mm -hmm. because he's already looking like a great defender. And if he can really like make it obvious, hi, I'm one of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah. That could easily be enough. That dude's a bucket or a a stop. I I don't know. I don't know. Is there is there a bucket equivalent for defenders? I wish there was. I wish there was a specific award for like guard defenders or just wing defenders because defensive player of the year it always just seems to go to whoever has the most blocks and rebounds. And it's just yep. like, okay, we get it, Dwight Howard. You're really good, but like, there's other guys hey, playing defense out here. If you're like, gonna if like, you're gonna take a dump on anyone for that, give it to give that dump to Rudy Gobert. Dwight Howard was course, unstoppable on defense. It's just because Dwight got five. You'll be his three. You'll be in three in a row. He was nice. He deserved every single one of those. He did. That was the best defensive player we might ever – compared to his era, we might see for a long time. I'm just um, saying, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another – well, you talked about the Nets. I wanted to bring up the fact that KD and Kyrie are coexisting Perfect better than team. anyone could have expected. These guys look like poetry emotion on the floor. And mm-hmm. I love watching these guys come back. Even though KD missed that jumper to, to go send the Charlotte game to overtime, he – 
Look, it rimmed out. He didn't hold the follow-through. He knows better than that, and it's the third game of the season. It really doesn't matter. They got the perfect look. They had him wide open for a three for that baseline midi or Kyrie open for a three on the pass back. So if you're Steve Nash, you're looking at this team, even without Spencer Dinwiddie, I guess – I don't know if they're going to plug Harris Levert in because you, you mentioned how they love him off the bench, but yeah, I guess Joe Harris could just be the starter and you move, move from there. I'm imagining that they're going to start uh, either Taurine Prince or Timothy TLC. Yeah, TLC looked really, really good in last TLC is nice. I've been he saying nice. that for a minute. He's nice. Timothy I would love awesome. to see him get the start. But I, I'm, I, I got to also say about the Nets, six was way too low. Without Spencer Dinwiddie, it lowers their playoff ceiling a little bit. It makes it harder for them to do all the switching stuff that they do on defense, and it'll be harder for them to wreak havoc on offense. Like, one thing that I was, I was listening to Zach Lowe's pod, one thing that he talks about is, which I, I had never conceptualized, even though I'm a player, I played, I've done this, it's happened to me. When you're switching everything on defense and you get out on a fast break, and Kevin Durant is on your team, and everyone is cluing in on Kevin Durant. Yeah. There winds up being a lot when you when it goes into a fast break, if you've switched everything on defense, the guy who's supposed to guard Kevin Durant is not next to Kevin Durant. No. Nope. He's next to Spencer Dinwiddie. The guy who's supposed to guard Kevin Durant, the guy who is next to Kevin Durant is like six foot one point guard, freaking out, oh no, I have to guard Kevin Durant. Because you've done all the switching. So then you get on the fast break. And then the 6-1 guy has to make the decision, am I just going to man up on KD? Is, is this guy going to help? Am I going to leak? How am I going to play the defense? Mm-hmm. It has a lot more. And then when Spencer Dinwiddie's on the court, able to hold the ball, able to hit shots, able to do everything, because that's kind of what Spencer Dinwiddie does. He kind of just does everything above average. Like, no, you're right. I think they're really good. It, adds, it, added a, it, it takes out a level for their playoff ability mm-hmm. to do stuff, you know? Hey, look – from what I saw, he's announced end for the season, but I also saw that it was a partial tear, so maybe there's a chance that he could be back in the in the playoffs, like later rounds, depending on what happens and how long it gets postponed and this and that in the third. But, hmm. uh, I, you know, we just want to see these guys be healthy and have a good season, so prayers are up for Spencer Dinwiddie. We hope his recovery goes well and that he'll be able to either come back this season if he feels ready and right, or if not, next season ready to go and help whatever team he's on because it probably won't be the Brooklyn Nets. It just really then, sucks for him because he was going to be a free agent too. This was yeah. his offseason, and he was definitely going to go somewhere to start. Like, he's got a 12-3 player option, and, you know, it's not in his character to accept it. But mm-hmm. when someone gets injured, you just never know. And so we'll have to see. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'd love to see him on the Lakers. <laughs> Who wants that MLE? We're, they're only going to have the MLE. If, they, if he wants the MLE, it's his. Yeah, I, I mean – I think he'll be able to get more than that even coming off the injury. But. Oh, I hope so. I'm hoping at least for a $30 million over two. You know, mm-hmm. I'm hoping he at oh, least doesn't lose money. He deserves it, too. He's, he's one of the harder-working guys in the NBA. I know. I remember he's come through the G League. He worked his, he worked his butt off to get to where he is. So, we've got nothing but love for Spencer Dinwiddie. And the last, last thing I want to talk about for the regular season so far is that for – I got a little bit into a deep dive of stats today and got to who leads the league in usage while having a positive net rating and the t- and is also playing like over 24 to 30 minutes a game, like a starting player. Chaz has discovered advanced stats and he's loving I, I love numbers. <laughs> and the five guys are, unsurprisingly, Luka Doncic, John Moran, Trey Young, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, four of those guys are 22 and younger, and Giannis is 26. 
to our point about the rookie of the year complaint, give the young guys the ball. Mm-hmm. All of these guys that I just named had the ball in their hand the rookie seasons, were allowed to make decisions and create, except maybe Shea. But he was no, in a Shea, weird Shea was Shea was given the opportunity. Shea had the perfect yeah. situation. He got the ball in his hands the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter. The fourth quarter, they said, fill the role. Mm-hmm. Fill the role. That's how you teach a guy. That's how you teach a guy. You say it doesn't matter till it matters. And then it matters, boom, fill your role. Play the ball. Get the ball to Chris. Get the ball to Chris, spot up. Cut. Cut hard. Lock up on defense. All this stuff. That's how you get these guys ready. Yeah. Having them going and like, oh, like, I'm just going to fill the role the entire game. You're building them to be a role player. You're building role players. Why is Shea Gilgis Alexander so valuable right now? Because he can do everything. He can fill a role and he can be the star. That's why he was one on my MIP candidates. That's why I think that he's going to wind up making an all-star game. Because he can do everything. Yeah. And then with, with that, I just want to say that Trey Young is now – also become a dark horse MVP candidate for me, depending on how good these Atlanta Hawks actually end up, because they do look really, really good. And if they look, the Atlanta Hawks have a very typical past of being good, falling apart in the second half, or finishing high up in the playoffs and falling apart in the first early round. So, uh, look, if Trey Young can miraculously get 45 to 50 wins for this team and a home court advantage in the first round, I would not be surprised to see him in the MVP talks because he also has like a plus 27 net rating right now on an Atlanta Hawks team that has no defense. So, <laughs> the, the hate is also starting to catch up for Trey Young. I love I'm it. Gonna, gonna slide it into we wanted to talk, finish it up with a couple things that we like and dislike of the first few weeks of the season. So, I was gonna slide it into, into your dislikes when we were talking about giving the young guys the ball. Because I know there's a few teams that have been getting up your, getting on your nerve. Oh yeah. Well, I, I just really quickly wanted to give Trey Young the shout out. Are, are you gonna want to talk about Trey Young? Can I, can I save it or no? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't have to talk about Trey anymore. I was gonna say, did, did, did you see his Twitter exchange with Grayson Allen? That was the softest thing I've seen in my life. That was the softest thing I've seen in my life. Grayson Allen came in. And just obl- embarrassed the guy. He got more likes on his reply than Trey Young did on his tweet. And oh, Trey Young has ten times as many followers as Grayson Allen. Oh. What was it? Trey Young tweeted out that like sort of sus play. Wasn't sus. Dylan Brooks can't play defense. It's not Grayson Allen's fault. They were supposed to be funneling him up towards the towards the half court line, but Dylan Brooks can't play defense. Okay, Dylan Brooks is not winning MIP. He is not – he had one good game. I was really excited. I shouldn't have been. They were supposed to be funneling him towards the middle of the court. Grayson Allen did his job, and Dylan Brooks said, nah, defense isn't cool. I'm not going to play it. And so Trey Young got to get downhill. And so, of course, their legs collided. It's not a big deal. So Trey Young tweets that play out with a lot of trash, and then Grayson Allen answers back, and he's like, oh, no, man, I'm sorry. I hope you're okay. Funniest tweet of the year, 2020, wrapped up on a good note. Thank you, Grayson Allen. That's why I'm a fan of yours. Look, I'm never going to be a fan of Grayson Allen. I think he was a dirty player at Duke, but that wasn't a dirty play. Thank he you. got his feet in there. It happens. Trey Young, to get ratioed on Twitter by a guy like Grayson Allen is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Didn't he just sign a shoe deal recently? Like, come on, Trey. 
it's this grace and Isle that we're talking about but uh but yeah no uh, it's an interesting it was an interesting play didn't it might have looked dirty to sub on the tape but i can understand what happened to grayson so it is what it is and then but you had teams that you you disliked how they were treating their young guys this year uh all right so we're gonna start stepping to the two likes two dislikes yeah, might as well. All right, so we, so we decided we're going to do some two likes, two dislikes, just because it'll keep stuff moving, you know, bring some good conversation. I already got into it with those, with all the, the guys not getting enough minutes. I can't do it again. <laughs> I, I can't. Because I, I know I'm going to yell about it every week for the rest of the season, nonstop. You know how I am. I'm always, ugh. I'm a big believer in giving young guys minutes. I don't get why you're playing, like, why you're playing guys that aren't going to be there when you're winning. You know, if you're going to be winning in three years, don't play a guy that isn't going to be there in three years. No mm. reason. No reason. Yeah. I mean, like, sometimes there's a reason, but that's not the way they're doing it. You're not that, – that, I yelled about it already. I'm not getting started again. I did it with Shea Gilgis, Alexander, how to do it. Maybe I'll do – maybe that's the next pod we'll do. Deep dive on how to properly acclimate a rookie to the NBA. How about that? Oh man, there's so coaching much. Coaching 101. Coaching 101. How to coach. How to coach from two guys who haven't even coached a high school team. I think I've coached, I've coached like seven games. <laughs> I think I've been on the sidelines for an MU game here or there. Oh man. I, I, did, I, did, I did a camp once. I helped run a camp once. Actually, no, I coached at IMG for about a week and a half. How about that? Look at that. I was great. I, if I do say so myself. Team was probably national champions. <laughs> Wouldn't take much coaching from me. Um, all right, two likes, two dislikes. Uh, I'm, I'm starting because I'm, I'm angry and I'm not yelling about the rookies anymore. I'm going to yell about Christmas. Christmas sucks. Christmas <laughs> sucked. Okay? This was the worst Christmas game, perhaps, Christmas Day, perhaps in the history of Christmas Day's Ever. This year needed why were there no Christmas jerseys? Why? There's there's never been a year that needs Christmas Day jerseys more than this year. Or at least have everyone wear like special alternative jerseys. Don't have the Clippers wear their same boring blue jersey that's ugly as heck, and they've been wearing for like ten years now. Yeah. And people like, would have bought those jerseys too. So many jerseys. Have bought, have so I don't get it. I don't get it. Is it because you're not worried? They're not going to play enough games. I don't get it. Adidas released a new jersey like every week when they were the they were the and it was too much. But Christmas Day was great. Yeah. Christmas Day jerseys were great. I we need that back. This was the most boring. This year needed more than any other year, because they just they were lacking so much stuff. There wasn't the playoff. We didn't know who the playoff people were going to be. We didn't know anything. And then, like, every game was a blowout. The average margin of victory was 23.2 points. The closest game was a 13-point game. Like, every game felt like a blowout, especially because I went to sleep in the middle of the Nuggets-Clippers game because the Nuggets were down 20 until the fourth. I'm not staying up for that. I live on the East Coast. I was tired. It was Christmas. I went to bed. Look. But while we're at big ups to the Nuggets and the Lakers, at least they had jerseys. Like, the, the like, Lakers had that, like, ice snow whatever jersey. That looked like a Christmas jersey enough for me. And the mm-hmm. Nuggets had that red jersey that was absolutely disgusting. 
But it was like, oh, it's Christmas. And if the Clippers wore green, it would have been really nice. But instead they wore their most boring jerseys of all times. All I'm saying is the Christmas jersey make the game feel special. Mm -hmm. Make the game feel like it's more than it is. And the games have never felt less special than this year. The the blowouts, the coronavirus, the everything. This was the year that they needed to do pull out all the stops to make Christmas Day special. And they failed utterly. I mean, I think I think tip off day should have been Christmas Day. Start the season, or at least start have the ten teams that are playing have that be their opening night. There was a bunch of ways they could have handled it better. They didn't handle it better. They did a pretty bad job. Not super stoked. I miss Christmas Day jerseys. I miss good Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I think the day of, I said, I was up till like four in the morning that day wrapping presents and working out because that's i'm a crazy person that's what i do and i got him too gassed up with all my comments about how the someone needs to sign him <laughs> and uh i had the nba league pass i was watching kobe and Shaq 2004 christmas lakers miami and i was like wow this is what christmas day basketball used to be and i really obviously the nba couldn't have that this year just because it was you didn't know who the good teams were yet it's not like halfway through the season we're not the rivalries aren't cemented. It's a weird year, yada, yada, yada. But, look, one it goes into one of my dislikes about the NBA, and one of them is that I find that Adam Silver has been has marketed and branded and commercialized the game and the league so much recently. And it's just that there's if we're going to have ads during the game, can we at least, like, make an effort to make it cool when we really have events for them? You know, like, if you're going to have a special event day for the NBA, like a holiday where these guys are literally – missing in america probably the biggest family holiday of the year to go play basketball for you when you can't even get them like a special jersey they can give their kid like this is the christmas day jersey like come on there's got to be something and just to go into my thing was that i find that the way that the nba is handled like look i understand that you want to be able to sell your ads and your time and that's how the world goes and it's valuable stuff but Look, not every team needs to have ads all over their jerseys. We don't need to play split screen Doritos commercials while the game is playing. Like, there's they, they, they had a full screen ad at one point during one of the games. Literally getting to the point where there's ads and behind it you could hear the announcers talking about live basketball. Like, it's just it's gotten ridiculous with the NBA, and part of it is. It's just like, why do we need so many commercial breaks? Why do they need to be so long? And why do we have to have everything be so branded? Like you're taking so much of basketball and forcing it to be like this social media corporation global game, which obviously people love basketball all around the world, but they love the game of basketball. They don't love the NBA brand. Like that's not what people are in love with for the most part. So I think they should really just try to get back to focusing on basketball. And if you have 15 seconds of dead time where the announcer can tell you some fun facts about the teams or the players, like that's what I like watching basketball for. If not, I'll watch it off and just watch the tape for myself. I don't need to hear the commercials. Like, mm-hmm. like and with that and with the, the, the horrible implementation of League Pass, with the horrible implementation of the Hulu has live sports, whatever mm-hmm. things, more and more people are just going to illegal streams. I mean, we would never do that. We are morally upstanding people. I pay but, for League Pass, so you just heard me. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, I got cable. Yeah, and like, it, 
Uh, but more and more people are moving to these online streaming services because League Pass has blackouts. How? So many. How? I can't watch a single game today. On how can't you? How, how is that possible? What are you paying for, Chaz? There's what five games I can't for? watch any. <laughs> like, all this... Uh, all this stuff, all these blackouts, all these commercials, all these anything. Like, look, I get you need commercials. I get it, okay? I, I'm a business and econ major. I know how money works. I know that you need money. I know that you have to pay for everybody. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do I get it. We need to come up with a better way to do it. The, the mo- it's cutting into game time. You can't have it cut into game time. Yeah. Can't have it be all the- – they're taking, they're taking eyes off the TV. Do you need to raise the price of ads? Yes. That's what the answer is. I was going to start listing off to raise the price of ads. Just be like, okay, ads cost more. And if no one buys it, be like, all right, we're hosting the NBA without commercials. Done. And you know what? You know what? That first ad will cost so much. And I was, I made a joke the other day with my dad because it happened and I just couldn't believe it. And I think it was, because someone got injured or because there was a foul early in the game, it was like 11.02 into the first quarter. Like literally 58 seconds have been played. It was 0-0 in the game and it went to commercial. And I was just like, how much money do you think you could win in Vegas if you bet on the first commercial break? No points were scored. In like the Brooklyn Nets Celtics game. You know, like it's just like, what is the point of going to break all the time? And this kind of, I'm going to segue this into my other dislike and then you can get your other dislike and a like into it or I'll wind it off on a good note. But <laughs> my other thing is, is the officiating and especially the reviews this year, are, it's getting to me, man. The amount of breaks and stoppages we have in basketball now, it's ridiculous. And like the NBA viewer numbers have been down for years now and it's only getting worse. And I get it because even... I struggle to watch basketball right now, and I love basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a casual fan. I'm not even, like, a devoted fan. Like, I will watch basketball if I had to watch, like, the Australian League, and that was my only option, you know? Like, I was watching Euro basketball when the NBA was not playing. Like, I just love <laughs> basketball. So, and it's gotten to the point now with the re- referees where it – Maybe it ties into the commercial thing too, but every time we go to the monitor, now we've got a split screen where I get to see another Coca-Cola ad or 2K21 and they got the sweat on Zion. So it's cool now and you should pay $120 for it. But look, there's needs to be a referendum on how we do, on how many whistles get blown, on how many times we go to the board. Cause I understand they want to clean up the game. They want to make it fair. They want to make it easy to score. But so many people I know complain that the NBA is too slow. It's not fun to watch. Only the last three minutes matter. And you know what? They're kind of right. Because if the game's a blowout, it's kind of a blowout throughout, unless you have, like, the Orlando Magic and the Washington Wizards who blow every fourth quarter lead. And then, like, because if not, you have guys shooting 20 free throws a game on each team. You got guys shooting three, four techs, three, four clear pass every game. You got at least one or two reviews a quarter. Every last two minutes takes – it's longer than football now. And I can't – I just can't stand it. It stops the flow of the game. And we have to stop considering playoff basketball and regular season basketball to be two different things, in my opinion, because we get into the playoffs and now they, they get to play a little more physical. You get a little different feel to the game. It gets more intense. And you know what? When it comes to the NBA right now, where there's like 13, 14 teams competing for playoff spots, every game is playoff basketball. 
That's what it is. So it needs to be officiated as such. It's not like, oh, don't worry. It's just the fourth game of the season. So if we get a few calls wrong, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. no, if this team shoots 15 extra free throws because you guys decided to blow your whistles a lot today, that's going to cost this team who's going to miss the playoffs by two games at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. there needs to be some way that we have a limit on how many things can either be reviewed or how many times we get reviews because mm-hmm. it's it's uh, so annoying and it takes mm-hmm. so long. Like there's so many clear calls where it's like, oh, out of bounds, his ball, let's go. Mm-hmm. We're done here. Yeah. And it's all these players that are like foul baiting and I can't even like judge them for it because it's incentivized. Mm-hmm. The NBA wants them to do it. The rules are such that the NBA wants players to foul bait. They want to watch free throws. They want you to drive in and throw your arms up and not even make an attempt at a shot. You, you want to make, you want to make that stop. You want to make that stop. Anytime you see someone looking like they're baiting a foul, it's from the half court. It's an inbound. Anytime, anytime that they, anytime that the shot comes at an unnatural time, oh, they just came off a screen. You take three dribbles after a screen before you can get a, before you can get free throws. How about that? Boom. I love this because I can just say I, I love this podcast because yeah. I can just throw out these. But there's ways. There's yeah. ways. I came up with that in thirty seconds. In thirty seconds, and you know how many whistles that's going to save you? You know how many Damian Lillard's one step off, rip up, rip through the through the pick. Pull up right away. You know how many whistles you're saving off of that? So many. You know how many times you're going to save whistles with Trey Young running to the basket and not even trying to make a move because he's 6'1 and he knows it looks like he's getting mauled anytime he jumps? So many. How about this? If you can't get it out of your hand with one hand towards the net, it's not, it's, you're not getting shots. You're not getting shots. Mm-hmm. If you get hit and then you throw it up, you're not getting shots. If you're taking a layup and you get hit and you can't get it at the rim, no shots. No shots. Sorry. Maybe a side out. Like, maybe side you keep out. the ball. Maybe you get a reset at, like, eight on the shot clock or something like that. I don't know. I think but it's 12 now? 14? It's 14 off like offensive board, but it's you can 14. even shorten it to keep the game moving. Like, it, yeah. But Whatever it is, you, there's ways to fix it. There's ways to be like, okay, and it's done. Move it quickly. And it's big. there's no replays on it. None. It didn't look like he was doing it. None. Boom. Not allowed to go to replay. Or you're not allowed to go to replay for it. How about that? The refs can decide in 10 seconds altogether if they if it becomes a discussion. They can sit down. They can talk together. They can't go to replay. Stuff like that. Yeah. No, it's – I mean, I'm just happy that the NBA isn't college where you'll get games where there's more fouls than minutes. But we're getting close <laughs> to that point, man. We're getting really close to that point. There are stints – we're like five minutes of gameplay. We'll have ten whistles, and I just can't stand it. Mm-hmm. No, it's become a it's become a serious problem in the NBA, and it's as talented as these guys are. And one of the things is, bless Damian Lee's heart. I watched him call game against the Bulls yesterday, but the possession right before that, when it's a tie game, I'm pretty sure, or the Bulls were up two. Bulls were down. Le- Bulls were up two. Zach Levine has the ball. Gets run off like one screen, goes left to right from the top, and then gets sent down. Two guys come up from the baseline to set a double screen to the middle. Zach Levine takes the double screen, and he pulls up for a midi from the elbow because it's a good shot. He got open off the screen. They, the Warriors' defense is atrocious, so you know there was a lot of space. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure Kelly Oubre is like running behind Zach Levine, chasing him off these screens. Zach Levine pulls up for the jumper. He takes his jump shot, misses it hard off the back rim. Warriors get the ball, timeout. We saw what happened after. But if Zach Levine had just stopped, stood still, 
And I said this to my sister while I was watching the game. If he had waited half a second for Kelly Oubre to run into him, he would have got two free throws, regardless of the shot that he made or mm-hmm. attempted. It's but like, Zach Levine's a no, hooper, so he's not going to do that. Exactly. He's exactly. stupid for having taken a good shot because if you just waited a little bit longer, you would have got guaranteed free throws, which are a higher percentage look than any mid-range you're ever going to shoot. And bang, you could have had two and iced the game. And it's just like the fact that the NBA is, oh, no, you should wait and see if you can get the foul call before you get the shot up now is it's just sad. Like I it's hate crazy. watching it now. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Man, respect to, respect to Zach Levine though. That guy's a hooper. Good that he does that. He's a baller. I mean, Trey Young wouldn't have. <laughs> Trey Young went away. He would have gotten destroyed by Kelly Uber. Kelly Uber would have had him on the ground. Trey Young would have thrown up some two-handed shot from the ground and it would have been two free throws. Trae Young is the new James Harden, by the way, if people haven't caught on. <laughs> Let, let's brighten it up before we end it off. So a couple, a few things yeah. you like throughout the first week of the NBA season. Yeah, okay, something nice. Um, I want to talk about the Heat first. The Heat are repeating. The Heat are winning the East. They adapted from being tired so quickly because they're playing their new guys. They're doing it right. They're acclimating their rookies the right, right way. Shockingly, Pat Riley is doing the thing that the NBA should be watching. Who would have thought? Who would have thought Pat Riley and Eric Spolster are smart? Guys like Precious Achua and Casey Opala are playing at the end of games. Why? Because they're getting minutes with Bam and Goron and everyone when it matters. And then at the end of the game, it's like, let's let them give a shot. Why not? Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It's the fourth game of the season. Who cares? The fourth game of the season, Bam is exhausted and he still hurts. Jimmy is tired. Everyone is tired. Let's see what happens. And they won. They win. They're winning. <laughs> they're winning. Yeah. They're winning. Because these bigs, Precious Achua is a defensive monster now. Out of nowhere. Wow. Wow. He looks big. Like, he looks a lot bigger than I thought he was going to look on NBA's floor. He looks amazing. Casey Opala playing great. Uh, Avery Bradley, not young, but he's doing great as a new guy that they're relying on a lot more. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so smart. You don't need to rely on your starters until the halfway point of the season, especially in the Eastern Conference. All these resting, all this, this, all this, that. You're in the Eastern Conference. Precious Achua and Casey Okpala is going to cut it. They're going to get you the wins. They're going to get you enough wins to get to the halfway point and be fine. Jimmy and Bam will be recovered. And then you start eating their minutes a little more to get your guys ready for the playoffs. But when playoff time comes and they're playing the 76ers, and they're like, oh, no, how do we come and cover Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? Well, we have Precious Achua and Bam Adebayo, so who do you want to put on which? And then Jimmy Butler will be around, too. Maybe we have Jimmy on Ben, Jimmy on Ben Simmons, Precious on Joel, and then Bam playing free safety. Maybe Iggy's out there. Maybe Iggy's out there, too. Maybe There's so many different lineups that they can do now because these guys are getting the opportunity now. It's beautiful. It's the way rookies need to be introduced. It's the way late rookies need to be introduced. And it's just, it's great to see, man. It's great to see. Also, I was a big Precious Chua fan, so I'm really happy about all this. Yeah, I wanted to, one thing I liked about a team in the Eastern Conference right now, or the team that I like the most, is the, the Sabonis-led Indiana Pacers. Oh, I, I wanted to it. show wanted to show some love to them as much as they did get to play the Knicks and the Bulls for the first two games of the season, which is, I think, the easiest schedule you could have in the NBA. But, uh, pretty much. I mean, DeMontis Sabonis looks like a monster. He's been bullying teams all over. They beat the Celtics yesterday, and damn, those blue and gold pinstripe jerseys are sexy. 
I am going to cop a Pacers jersey soon because that was nice. And I like the look of their team right now. Their guard rotation, they've got Brogdon Depot, Aaron Holiday. Can all run the one or the two for them. I like what they got there with TJ, Dougie McBuckets, Justin Holiday as their three fours, Demonte Sabonis, Miles Turner. Look, they're missing some pieces, yes. They aren't going to be a contender in the East yet, but they look like they're a sixth man and a rotational big away from being a from being a team that I wouldn't want to have to play in the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. this is a team that looks like they're working really well together and on both ends, offensively, defensively, can get stops, can get buckets, and have guys that are hitting shots all over the floor. So, look, the Pacers – Got talked to a lot, of, a lot of criticism this offseason because they didn't make any trades. A lot of people thought they didn't make any moves. Nothing's really going to change for them. But I think they might be a little bit better than people thought. And they're not going to be as much of a pushover. And if Demonte Sabonis keeps doing what he's doing right now, it's going to be an all-NBA forward. Like, he's a, I mean, center. He might, he might be the second-best center in the league if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, I'd go Jokic him. I, I might take Sabonis over Embiid. I might take Sabonis over Gobert. I might take Sabonis over... I, I, I don't know. Over Bam, though? Mm, that'll be interesting. Sabonis is playing good on defense, too, and he's running the offense. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know? I'm excited. Yeah, that Pacers team is looking a lot better. It just means for it just leads for better basketball in the Eastern Conference, you know? Like, oh, that yeah. seven seed won't be as bad as I thought they were going to be this year, so... They might not be a seven seed. Yeah, that, and that's half of what I mean is that whoever falls to seven because I think that's where I had them and I think they'll finish mm-hmm. higher won't be as bad as I thought they were, unless it's the Raptors. Talking, talking about seven seeds, uh, my dislike, my last dislike, uh, my last dislike is the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. That's just my dislike. I just dislike them. They're not good this year. I, yeah. I got – I understood why everyone was loving the the – why, why there was so much hype around the Warriors, I didn't understand the Portland hype. I had them as six, if I remember right. I could see them entirely missing the playoffs. They just do not look good. They do not look very good. Like, the CJ Lillard backcourt is not – it's imperfect. It has a lot of holes. I hope that they throw CJ and whoever else into a James Harden trade because that upgrade would be serious. Mm-hmm. But, man, like, this is just – it's it's just Nurk doesn't look great. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. You gotta do something different. You yeah, gotta, I mean, you gotta play Rocco as a small ball five more. That's I mean that's where he's at his best as a as a as a big as a big that's like killer off ball in defense and can hit the threes and like like PJ Tucker. He's a lot more PJ Tucker than he is Trevor Ariza. They thought he everyone casual people think they Trevor Ariza, but he's a lot more like PJ Tucker, and it's been showing. By the fact that he's been struggling a lot more with the pace with the with the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know. That's my dislike on the Trailblazers. For the Warriors, I just dislike that they don't have anyone on their bench. They need to get a bench player. They need to get Draymond back. Um, James Wiseman can shoot. I'm sorry. I promised you I'd say it. I need to find a way to force the Warriors conversation because I promised you I'd say it. James Wiseman can shoot, but he is still the worst defensive big I've seen in a long time. Right now, he just looks like a black, like a like. Blah, blah, blah. He looks like a black Mike Muscala, <laughs> and Mike Muscala had some points in the last Thunder game, so you know that's not the worst player to be. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, uh, look. As far as the Blazers are concerned, I think the potential front court of Rocco and Nurkic could work. It doesn't seem like it is right now, though, so I don't know what the remedy to that is going to be. 
I think a lot of the questions need to be asked about Terry Stotts. It's how many years is a three to yes. five seed good enough for you to have your head coach? I know they love him over there. And I know that Dame and CJ and the whole organization, but it's a sad reality of the NBA is that no matter who your players are, who your coaches are, coaches are, if you're not winning championships, they're not good enough. No, like they're just not no. good enough as a as a group. Like they might be individually good enough to do it, but with the pieces they have around them, they're not going to be able to get it done. And it's how many years can you keep running out your small backcourt and just try and plug and play three and D guys and a switchy center with them and just hope that they're going to win you playoff series because it hasn't come to fruition yet. And it seems like that era of just having a jump shooting backcourt is fading out of the NBA right now. So. You like, guys need to be able to do more than just shoot. Like, Terry Stodds has been with the Portland Trailblazers since 2012. Just off the top of my head, coaches that have been hired since 2012 that have made the NBA Finals, Steve Kerr, um, he'd make the Finals, but he would have fit so well with that team. Mike D'Antoni, multiple mm-hmm. times. Frank Vogel, Tyrone Liu, multiple times. David Blatt made the Finals. Um. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those are the um, guys of the Warriors. Mark, whoever it Nick was Nurse. that was on the Nick Nurse. Thank you. He was the first name I thought of, and the first name I forgot. Um, Scott Brooks made the finals. I mean, I don't think he would have been a good hire, but I'm just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been plenty of coaches that have gone all the way. I don't know how Terry Stotts hasn't been one of them. I don't know how Terry Stotts is still just a, is keeping this job after the season if the Blazers are not a top four seed. Like, I, I can't – like, they can't deal with this underachieving anymore. Something needs to change. You've been running it back the exact same way year after year after year after year after year after year. Rocco is not a big change. Mm-hmm. Trevor Ariza, the year before, was not a big change. You've been running the same roster for years, and you haven't gotten anywhere. Yeah. You need to fix it. Questions need to be asked of – at a certain point, it's, there's only so much that Damon CJ can do when you put – mediocre three and D guys around them and a center who's not necessarily like not a very good rebounder compared to other elite rebounding centers in the NBA. Like Nurkic can get a board, but if he goes up against a big bodied center for an entire game, he's going to get bullied because he's mm-hmm. just not a, not a big enough physical enough guy. And it, something has to be asked of the front office, whether it be the GM or the assistants or the coaches, just something needs to change there. And for the Warriors, like I said it before, I'll say it again. Draymond coming back, I think is going to help. James Wiseman is going to take some time for him to be good defensively. He doesn't look good. He didn't come into the NBA being a good defensive big. He came into the NBA being seven foot one. And so he could block kids all over in high school and college because that's, that's what you do when you're 6'11 in high school is you can block pretty much everybody. CC, Evan Mobley. Like, hey, yeah. So yeah. I think the Warriors are going to do worse than I thought they were, yes. But mm-hmm. Steph Curry looked really good against Chicago Hell in that Chicago practice facility at 105 threes in a row from the corner. So <laughs> it's a- I, I think it's only a matter of time before Steph Curry heats up again. Yeah. But I, I mean, like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins might be the two worst players in the NBA right now, like on a per minute basis. <laughs> like if players are playing as many minutes as they are, they might literally be the two worst starters in the NBA. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they can't hit layups. They can't even, they have the two lowest percentages on layups in the NBA. And they've hit like three jump shots combined. Kelly Oubre has literally hit one jump shot and zero threes. It was a, he hit a pull up two. 
He, he's missing layups. He's missing jump shots. He's, 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 he's having the worst, like, pregame span I've ever seen from a starter. Yeah. And they can't pull him. <laughs> Who are they going to put in his place? Eric Pascal? They can't pull him. It's Juan Toscano who actually would probably get those minutes, but uh, <laughs> give no, me Draymond. I, mean, like, I watched the Warriors games. Obviously, I actually haven't watched that much of them relative to other teams. I've watched more like Brooklyn Nets basketball. Well, yeah, when they're down forty, they're what's the point of watching? Yeah, teams that are actually good and playing competitive games because the Warriors are down twenty every halftime. But no, I mean like James Wise, not James Wise, but sorry, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre Jr. have been horrendous. There's nothing I can really say. This is going to lead me down a Raiders-style path of just like, look, this team just sucks right now. There's nothing else I could say. They suck. They <laughs> got so lucky to escape with Chicago wins. Like, they should be 0-3 right now. And it's not Steph Curry's fault, per se. The team is just terrible around him. I hope Draymond's back and it changes. I don't expect it to change much. Look, they'll be good. This, this be a is the worst. Playoffs, but... If they have to play a play-in game, I'll be worried because I don't want this team to have to play a one-game-or-you're-out type situation because yeah. if they're not hitting jump shots, this team is not going to score more than 80 points a game. Like, they're so bad. Kelly Oubre Jr., I don't know what happened to you. I swear the dude was averaging, like, 18 points a game last year. His career has been trending up. Like, I loved him when he was in Washington. He seems like a perfect 3 and D guy to have next to John Wall and Bradley Beal. And now he can't make a dunk or a jump shot. And it's just like, what is the point of having you on the floor? You get beat every time defensively too. Like Kelly Oubre loves to do this thing. And I want everyone to know that this isn't how you play defense in the NBA. It's he loves to get up on his man. Sometimes it was Eric Levine because I was watching him yesterday. And he'll try to get his defensive stance and lower himself at like 32 feet away from the basket. Don't plant your feet 32 feet away from the basket against the best dunker in the NBA right now. It's a bad decision because guess what? He's fast. He's faster than you are when you slide your feet. So if you just squarely plant your hips facing Zach Levine when he's two inches away from the half court, you know what he's going to do? Cross you up and go to the rim. And that's how he gets all his his buckets. So Kelly Oubre has been atrocious. I look, all I'm hoping is that Draymond can change his team. But I don't know. I don't know what the Warriors are gonna do. I I, I gotta Warriors, say I gotta say this really quickly. Yeah. I've heard a lot of comparisons of this West this roster to the Russell Westbrook uh Thunder that one year mm-hmm. where Victor Oladipo was there, but he was really, really bad. Yeah. And Sabonis was there too, I think. Sabonis didn't play that year, but yeah, I mean he's yeah. too young. I think I think he got drafted. I don't know, whatever it was. Whatever it was. Sabonis was there, or might not have been, but everyone's comparing that roster to this year's Warriors roster. It's like, oh, Russell Westbrook made these guys make the playoffs. No excuse for Curry. Steven Adams is better than anyone on this roster by, like, twice as good. Steven Adams is twice as good as anyone on this roster. That was, like, the last year that Ennis Cantor was, like, able to be played, and they got lucky. They got to play the Spurs in the first round. Like, yeah. or was that the year before? It was the year before. But Ennis Cantor was still useful. Like, Victor Oladipo was a good secondary secondary play, playmaker and was doing an all right job at everything. That was not a bad roster by any means. This roster is terrible. There's not one player on this roster that I look at them and I say, yeah, I, I'd want them on any other team. Like, this, like, 
I agree. Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Juan Toscano Anderson, Eric Paschal, and James Wiseman, the five players that have started for the Warriors, not named Steph Curry, would not start on any other team in the NBA right now. Try it. Name one. Name one. I want to say James Wiseman because he's the number two overall pick, obviously. But like, Based only on their skill. Based only on their skill. How about that? So I just, look, I don't know if many of them would have jobs based on the first three games of the season right now. <laughs> like, like, if I had if contracts were not included, none today, of those guys would be playing. <laughs> like, if, if the NBA restarted today and there was just like a fantasy draft of players and I, I had the last pick in the draft and it was Kelly Oubre or it was Kobe Simmons, I'd rather take Kobe Simmons. Like, hey, Kobe Simmons want. looked really Kelly good Oubre for about 30 seconds on the Grizzlies. What is the point of having him on your team? Like, he can't score. He can't play defense. It's, cr- it's pointless. It's I crazy. Wanna, I'll transition it to my – the last thing I like about – well, not oh, a lot. Yeah, let's get some positivity. Do you, got, you got one more like or do I go – Yeah, I got two? one more. Go for it. We need some positivity. Bring it, please. I got one more. And it, it was funny you mentioned CJ getting traded for Harden because this is another guy who I think could get packaged for James Harden later. It's uh, Brandon Ingram. Oh, yeah. He's playing great. I think Brandon Ingram – has been fantastic to start the season. He's been getting any shot he wants, and he's been making them. That the spacing on his team is horrible, and he still gets jump shots, and he still makes them. So that's just points to the fact that he's getting boards, he's getting stats, he's getting playmaking. You said it last week. On you said about JJ Redick. JJ Redick said we don't give him the credit for his playmaking that we should, and it's true. Like this guy is he's moving the rock. The team is working well. And even with guys clogging the paint, he doesn't have to attack the rim. He's getting his points up, and he's helping his team win games. So Brandon Ingram is a guy that if the Rockets end up trading James Harden for him, I think he's one of the better guys they could get right now not named Ben Simmons. Like, Mm -hmm. he's the next best guy probably because he projects to be an all-star, all-NBA, small forward, power forward for the rest of his career right now. Like, if you're getting, getting like, Brandon Ingram, Nikhil Alexander-Walker – and the same four years of picks as if you were getting Ben Simmons, Matisse, and Matisse Thibel from and picks from the from the mm-hmm. from the Seventy Sixers. So it's same four first round picks from same four years. I think you have to sit there and talk about it if you're getting Brandon Ingram and Nikhil Alexander Walker yeah. versus Simmons and Thibel. You have to think about it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I still think you take Simmons and Thibel. But you have to think about it. And Tillman Fertito is like a jealous, jealous man who is yeah. not happy with Daryl Morey and might take the Brandon Ingram, Nikhil Alexander-Walker package just to spite him. And they can throw in more picks too. Like they, like, I don't they think the Sixers would throw in anything picks. more than the matching four, round, four, four firsts. But the Pelicans could be like, all right, you want these four and then you want two more Laker picks? Like what else do mm-hmm. you want? Do you want something else? We got – they, they've got all these picks to just like, sweeten the pot. They could be like, all right, we'll give you our four picks that the Sixers would give you. So that's a wash. But we'll give you, like, these Lakers picks that'll be, like, late first. And, oh, they might be nothing, but, like, it's another shot in them dark. It's just yeah. another pick. Like, just another <laughs> pick. You can package. You can send those picks to someone else. For it's just whatever. more assets. Like, you can have more. You so can have more. We'll give you more. We have more firsts. We'll give you a Bucks pick. We have five of them. So, so I guess Brandon Ingram, too, to, to tie the whole episode together, is also on my potential most improved guys. Because he was on that list last year. And obviously, I don't think he won it. Did he win actually last year? I think he did. I don't even remember. The awards are so pointless. But I think he actually might have won it. Uh, usually, I'm Googling this. But I'm – oh, yeah, it was Brandon Ingram. 
All right. Well, good for him. I don't think he's going to win it two years in a row. But uh, he looks like a most improved player for sure. He looks like when Jimmy Butler came off his most improved season and everyone was like, oh, wait, is he going to win another one? It's like, nah, nah. He's just going to be an all-star and he's going to be a guy you want on your team for years to come. Brandon Ingram's that guy. Him and Zion's a legit duo. I really like what, well, I don't really like what the Pelicans are doing, but they have a lot of good young pieces and a lot of assets to try to make something happen. Oh, yeah. There's definitely something happening down in Pelican land. I don't know that I love it. The Bayou's got something cooking, and you, you know we love the Louisiana cooking around here. I just wish I just wish their their fans were less annoying. That's my issue with that's my issue with New Orleans. That's my issue with the New Orleans Pelicans. It's also my issue with the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Their fans have become insufferable. Oh yeah. my goodness! My main NBA Twitter is they, is, they hmm? play at the Smoothie King Center, and I think that's the stupidest name for an arena you could ever have. Oh so. my god. I think that's the same name as IMG's, like, IMG's football arena. A high school. A high school. (laughs) A high school football arena has the same name as your basketball court. Same sponsor, then. I guess that's that's how much it costs to get the Pelicans arena. It's the same amount as an IMG football team. Hey, I I bet they probably get – honestly, if we're being real, I bet they get more more notice from the IMG sponsorship than the uh, the Pelicans one. Maybe. No, I mean, I, I have invested a lot of money in Smoothie King. I will tell you that. My one year there, there was one. There was a Smoothie King right next to uh, where you would do classes. Mm-hmm. Dude, not every day. I knew people that would go every day. Mm-hmm. I'd go most days. I would go pretty often. I'd get my little midday smoothie, hang out with my homies. It was nice. Dude, I love smoothies. If I could have smoothies daily, I, I would. And, like, you have to have a certain amount of money on your card to start the year. So it was like, you know, like. I'll take a smoothie. Like just, I just have money. <laughs> I have, I have money on my card for smoothies. I want a smoothie. Like I, 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 I can spend it on a smoothie, smoothie or I can spend it on another, uh, on another button down that I don't want to wear. <laughs> I can spend it on more uniforms or I can spend it on smoothies. I can spend yeah. it on smoothies or I can spend it on really overpriced gear. I'm going to spend it on smoothies. It's great. I miss IMG. I miss IMG so much. I even miss the expensive gear. It was great. I loved it there. Um, <laughs> For my last life, it's IMG Academy. No, it's not. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, I wish I could go back. I'm my get one more, my I'm actual get one more like, dislike in then. What? I'm going to get one more dislike in then. How oh, many dislikes do you have, bro? No, I, just have one, I have one that I could have mentioned, but I wanted to save it for another episode because I know you feel passionately about this team, and it's the Denver Nuggets. So it's a, we'll talk right, about be them. Quick, be on. quick. You can't be too negative. We need to keep some positivity. This podcast has made me way too negative. No, no, no. We'll talk about Denver later this week. We don't have to talk about them today. I no, be quick. Be, give it to me. Give it to me. I need to know it. I, mine is just I, I dislike their lack of depth and what their, their big man rotation, basically what I've been saying. I, I think it's just funny. Because uh, their lack of depth. Be... I don't like the having Bobo and Isaiah Harness sign getting backup minutes. It's, uh, and then I'm just worried that this might be a year we see Jokic more tired than ever when he gets to the, fin- when he gets to the playoffs, and that could really affect them. Mm-hmm. I get that. I mean, I mean, I, I just think it's funny because the, the Nuggets have always been, like, annoyingly deep. You know what I mean? They trade Malik Beasley for, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, they, they just have been so deep. They don't even know what to do with it. So, they're just like, here, take Malik Beasley. Like, we, we don't know what to do with him. You take him. Like, it's, 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 it's crazy. With the, now, now they're in the opposite situation. They need a big. They don't have a big. But I'm not worried. I'm not. For one, Jokic is an Iron Man. Jokic might be the NBA Iron Man. After that quadruple OT game against the, the Portland Trailblazers, he doesn't miss games. He never looks tired. He never plays badly because he's tired. Knock Even that. Hmm? Knock on some wood. 
Come on, man. <laughs> he never plays tired. Even that turnover against the Kings. Yeah. He was hacked. He was <laughs> hacked. They they went in the last few minutes and they're like, yeah, Harrison Barnes hacked Nikola Jokic and stole the ball from him. He like bear hugged him pretty much. He bear hugged him, but he's like, he pushed him over. Nikola Jokic is like, well, oh, he's doing all his funny little Nikola Jokic movements. Like, yeah, he was just there. Like, he, I I was watching the game. He just looked at the ref like, what? Like, yeah, that's his biggest. That's my biggest issue with Jokic. He just looks at the ref and like stops playing. But he yeah. doesn't like he doesn't like do any like the cheap shot foul drawing. So I'm okay with it. But mm-hmm. it's pretty funny. Because he just stops playing. He's yeah. Like, what? When he <laughs> other players on his team even that don't get foul calls, he'll just be standing at the three-point line. Jamal Murray gets hacked, no call. He'll just look at the ref on the sideline and be like, what the hell, while they're going and, back in transition. <laughs> and he makes such funny faces, too. I love him. Yeah, it's just like... Side note, I can't watch a Denver Nuggets game without someone telling me that I am Nikola Jokic. And uh, I take it as a compliment every time. Yeah. Much right. love, much love, Big big Yoke. Much love, Joker. Big joke, big joker. All right. Happiness, positivity. Yeah. We're doing something nice. Something that makes me happy. Positivity. I'm going to tune into that, that Brooklyn Grizzlies game. Five minutes left. It's a one-point game. Oh, man. John Morant only has 13 minutes. Don't tell me John Morant got hurt. Oh, no. To NBA Twitter. Please, please, John. You, you want you, 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 um. Karis LeVert started at point guard today. <laughs> has 16 and 11 assists. Um, 21 for TLC as a starter too. I'm I'm happy they that TLC is getting that start. That dude Chris Chioza nice. 14 minutes and 17 14 points and 17 minutes off the bench. Yep, John Morant left ankle sprain will not return. He's in a boot on the on his left foot. A boot? That's not good. <sighs> well, that's 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 just so sad. Yeah, and DeAnthony Melton's out for COVID, so they're gonna be thin at the guard rotation for a while. That's just sad. There goes the Memphis Grizzlies' hopes of anything. Yeah, that's no playoffs for Memphis. You can't start two and zero and then lose John Morant for what projects to be at least two to four weeks. That's you yeah, have with, like with, twelve losses. The moment that he's, he's in a boot, so like you gotta feel comfortable penning him off for at least two weeks. Because yeah. the moment you're in the boot, it's two weeks. Because you're not putting it means that you're not putting weight on your foot. Like the mm-hmm. boot is bad news in general. I imagine he's going to have to get an MRI if they're putting him in a boot. Like, usually they put you in crutches. Yeah. And, like, it's not like the Grizzlies trainers are bad. If the Grizzlies trainers didn't put – if the Grizzlies trainers put him in a boot, maybe it's just for this game. Maybe it's just so he could go back and they're going to, like, do a full evaluation later. Mm-hmm. I know, like, Cat came back early from an injury to yeah. just sit on the bench and be positive. Maybe that's what they did. They're like, this is not good. We're just going to put you in the boot. You can go support your teammates. He's like, thank you. I need that. He's supporting everyone. He's going to go back after. They're going to do a little more treatment. Mm-hmm. I hope he's not in the boot tomorrow. If he's not in the boot tomorrow, this could be a one-week thing. Mm-hmm. If, he's if, still he's in the boot. if he's still in the boot tomorrow, this is probably two to four weeks. He probably tore something in his ankle. Yeah, I would they don't say put you in the boot, the boot for nothing. They New don't put Year's. you in the boot for a tear. I mean, they don't put you in a boot for like a sprain. Mm-hmm. If he's out of the boot before New Year's, I'd say he's back in January. And if not, it won't be till February. Yeah. Whatever but, it is. I mean, we'll hear more about it as it happens. Mm-hmm. But being in a boot is not a good – for everyone listening, being in a boot is not a good sign. Yeah. When a medical yeah. professional puts you in a boot, it's never a good sign. If he leaves the arena in crutches, I'm chilling. But I hope um, they put him in a wheelchair. That would be <laughs> – Even safer. 
Just be careful. Be careful with our boy. Be careful just, with our Gordon child. How about we airlift him to a to a cryo chamber to just freeze his foot for a little bit? I don't even know what you do as an Undis Grizzlies at that point without without him and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like that's trade for Terry Rozier. Trade for not even. I think at that point you just wait. You just wait. You try to pack up all the losses. Yeah. They're like, we're getting Kate Cunningham this year, and you will not be able to stop us. All right, All right, let's wrap well, it up, though. Let's wrap it up, though. I'm actually going to tune it to the end of this game. That's disappointing. Something that makes me happy, and then we'll watch the end of this game. Uh, the Lakers' scramble defense makes me so happy. It is gorgeous. The way they're running around in every single passing lane, covering everything on defense, it's insane. They move it as if they were on a string. When one guy moves, the next guy does, the next guy does, the next guy does. It's a work of art. And they adjust. They adjust. Like, when, like they do that when, like, Schroeder's not on the floor. When Gasol's on the floor, they do it a lot. But then they have Schroeder on the floor, and basically it becomes everyone else is just moving, and Schroeder is just hounding, hounding the ball handler. Even if it's Luka Doncic, six foot eight Luka Doncic, Dennis Schroeder at six one is in his grill for the yeah. entirety of the twenty eight minutes that he'll play because Frank Vogel doesn't want to play anybody. He is in his grill, getting steals, just making them uncomfortable. It's gorgeous. It's insane. And it, it helps a lot. It helps a lot for guys like Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma, who aren't, like, great defenders in other situations. But now that they're in this vocal defensive system, they're doing really well. Like, Kuzma had a gorgeous – it was, like, kind of a weak side help, but also kind of like a chase down block on Anthony Edwards. It was gorgeous. They're just mm-hmm. – Lakers defense makes me happy. The Lakers do it better than than anyone else, really, and and it's just shell drill, guys. I don't know what's so complicated about it. I don't know why. Well, it's, just, it's like the way it's because it's not even just. I mean, it is just shell drill, but it's also like it's, it's also the IQ so much the more. Sure. It's the team IQ to be able to to read it so quickly, and it's all the different sets that they run because they're not just running one defensive scheme. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting. You know. And I don't know enough about defenses to break it down entirely, but like, like maybe I'll sit down and just watch Lakers games nonstop for a few weeks, like on repeat and just have no life. And then I can give you a detailed breakdown of their defense. Yeah. But like short of me doing that, I know that I couldn't like give you everything that Frank Vogel was giving those Lakers. Cause I, I mean, I've, I've been there for a college level defensive breakdowns. I've played college ball. It, it's insane. Mm-hmm. What they're doing in the NBA is just another level. And you can tell just how cerebral that defense is. And that's where Mark Gasol brings his value. That being big, communicating, and just knowing the defense better than anyone else. There isn't enough time between games in the NBA to go over all your defensive assignments and what you have to learn. Like, there legitimately is so much that you can break down on tape defensively that – but even in a regular, even in a playoff series, one day between a game one and game two, you will not have learned everything you need to learn for game two. It's almost mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. You can like, watch tape, film, and take notes and review it with your coaches and your trainers, and you just won't get through it all. That's just all it is. That's why rookies struggle. That's why rookies struggle when they get to the NBA. They can't pick up these things. They don't know intrinsically what they need to be doing. They haven't learned it yet. What you need to do in these situations on defense. Cause a lot of it is just like the same stuff, every playoffs. That's why you need to get your guys playoff reps because they need to know these playoff adjustments for the next year. That's why you need old guys. Cause they've done the playoffs a bunch of times. They know what you need. All these guys, they know what you need. Mm-hmm. And 
I didn't think we were going to have to do this, but I have to throw one more on my most improved just because Lou Dort right now and the OKC Thunder are up four on the Jazz in the late third, and he has 20 in 23 minutes. He is so good. <laughs> he Lou, is so good. Unreal. Lou is actually like the fifth highest net rating of any player in the NBA right now, I'm pretty and sure. I'm not surprised. I'm not and surprised. The only reason I didn't put him on my list and talk about him earlier was because he had only played one game so far. And so the actual fifth place would be Steven Adams, who's like averaging over 30 minutes and doing a lot for the Pels, obviously. But they're beating the Jazz right now. Lou has 20. Donovan Mitchell has eight. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell has been struggling low-key. Yeah. He hasn't – he's been missing something. I don't know what it is. He yeah. just hasn't been there 100 yet. The Hawks blew out. Sadiq Bey started at shooting guard today. Ten oh, points. finally. Literally. I was just complaining about this. And oh. Killian Hayes started today. And yeah, Josh Jackson. Starts, but, oh, my God. Look at that. They got their minutes. Wow. Yeah, but they oh, got blown wow. out by the Hawks. Well, they're trying to come back right now in the fourth quarter, actually. Oh, but, it's because they oh. rested Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin, and uh, Jolie Loka for. Wow, this team. Hawks team is balanced. 20 for Trey, 11 for Hunter, 11 for Reddish, 11 for Collins, 17 for Bogey, 12 for Solomon Hill, 12 for Rondo with eight assists. Yo, I gave up on I gave up on the Bucks on Bucks Twitter and all that after all their bashing of Bogdan Bogdanovich after he had one bad game. I'm like, he routinely is gonna outscore your entire bench. Like routinely. Literally. Stop Literally. Compl- stop being a baby. Stop being a baby and stop tampering. Ugh. All right. All right. This has been Ball Talk. We need to watch the end of these games. Yeah, we're, so we'll have something to talk to you about on Thursday. We'll have something to talk to you about on Thursday. All right, everybody. Take it easy. This has been Ball Talk, baby. Blessed to have you guys. Take it easy. Stay safe. Stay safe. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby, 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 baby.